Hey, thank you all so much for joining me today. You're listening to the Tree Church Bible Study Podcast, where we break down a chapter of the Bible every single week. My name is Chris Reed, and I'm the Director of Biblical Education, and it's my and the other teaching pastor's joy to explore the Scriptures and help us all grow in our understanding of the Scriptures, but also to inspire us to greater trust in God. And so we want to grow in our understanding but also our obedience and our trust of God. I mean, that is the end, uh, the the good end of theology. So that's what we're doing here with the Tree Church Bible Study. Now, we are currently looking at the book of Deuteronomy, and Moses is teaching the law to a generation of God's people about to, re- about to go in and take possession of the promised land, the land that God had given to Abraham and promised to him that his descendants would uh, would possess that land someday. And now the Israelites were slaves in Egypt and God rescues them and he promises to give them this land. And this is like some 400 some years later that, that God is actually giving them the land that he promised to Abraham. And so Moses wants this generation and all that would actually follow after them to remember everything that they experienced in their time between Egypt and the promised land. He wants them to remember the covenant. He wants them to remember their relationship with God and how God introduced and rescued and saved them and how God was calling them and giving them laws and guidelines for that relationship. And the big part of this, uh, this retelling is the word here. And, and, and the word here is an important part of Deuteronomy. In chapter 6, the call for Israel to hear was the that call for the, them to know that the Lord is one and that they were to love the Lord their God with all their heart, minds, and soul. This is what uh, the, the Hebrew people would have called the Shema. It was Israel's creed. It was their declaration of soul devotion to God. And, and, and what's crazy is that they termed it the Shema, and, it, and it's termed that because that is the Hebrew word for hear, as in listen. But more than just listen, it's a call to hear and to take to heart what is being said. And, and, and we are going to see it again as we open up chapter 9 here today. So picking up in verse 1, this is what it says. It says, Hear, O Israel, You are to cross over to the Jordan today to go in to dispossess nations greater and mightier than you, cities great and fortified up to the heaven, and a people great and tall, the sons of the Anakim, whom you know and whom you have heard it said, who can stand before the sons of Anak. Okay, so we got a couple things to explore here. First, Israel receives the command once again to cross the Jordan and to take possession of the land. This is the same command that Moses gave to their fathers some 40 years earlier when they decided to disobey God. They went in, Moses uh, had allowed them to send spies into the land. They said, it's a great land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. But they said, there are uh, great cities and, and they are fortified cities and there are giants in this land, great people who are warriors. And they chose to not go in and and they chose to disobey. And so God leads them back into the wilderness until that generation passes away. And last week we talked about how Moses reminded this generation, this new generation, how God tested and provided for them in the wilderness during that 40 years. And these stories 
were were given here and Moses is reminding them of uh, for the purposes of fueling Israel's future obedience they were there to remember uh, these stories were there to remember what God had done for them because another time of testing was about to arrive well their time of testing had finally come they were staring at the same situation the generation before them had faced and Moses tell them tell or Moses tells them when you cross you are going to have to face the very same things that made your parents turn away you're going to see great cities with towering and seemingly impenetrable walls you're going to come across the sons of Anakim which stories and, and or I should say theories say that these are were sons of the d- descendants of the Nephilim, which um, some think were a mixed race of angels and humans um, that created kind of like superheroes. Think giants. And, and I don't mean like giants, like the big oaf giants. Think more like um, like like think Marvel, like they, they were great champions and warriors and they were tall and they were. Uh, just ripped and they were uh, to be honest with you you can think more like the demigods of greek mythology like hercules think so when you think the sons of anakim think like hercules and the thought is that and and these are all just theories let me let me just say this this is a highly debated um this is a highly debated thing so these are just kind of bits and pieces that scholars pull from the text to give context to who these sons of Anak were, but what they know is that they came from a line that uh, of really big people and they were mighty warriors. And, and this is kind of noted here in the text. And, and it would make sense as to why Israel would fear them. Moses says that, that, that you're going to have to face them just like your fathers did. And God commanded obedience into something that was scary for them. And think about this in your own lives for a second. How many times have you had to face something that caused you fear? How, how many times did God ask you to do something that, um, that would have caused you fear? Like he's actively asking you to walk into something that would have been fearful or overwhelming to you. And I know there have been numerous times in my life when this has happened. I, I remember back in 2010, my wife felt called to go to Haiti like 10 days after that, that big earthquake hit. And, and, and I can tell you, that was a terrifying moment to let her go into a hostile and devastated environment where I had no control and no way of protecting her, no way of, of being with her. And, and so this was a big decision, but it wasn't necessary, necessarily a blind decision. See, what we had to go off of was that God had been faithful to come through for us time and time before, and we were trusting that he would again. And that is exactly what Moses is doing right here for the nation of Israel. He's reminding them of why they can trust God in the face of these insurmountable odds. On to verse 3. Know therefore today that he who goes over before you as a consuming fire is the Lord your God. He will destroy them and subdue them before you. So you shall drive them out and make them perish quickly As the Lord has promised you. Now, notice real quickly, God is doing, but also they are doing. So God is inviting them in to participate. But the majority part here, the the part that is most important, the part that Moses wants them to remember and realize is that God is the one who goes before them and fights for them. 
and provides for them. He is the one who comes through. And this is what the first generation was supposed to do. This is what they were supposed to trust in. I mean, they watched it with the Red Sea. They watched it with Pharaoh's army. And yet when they got to the promised land, they balked and they they gave into fear. And so Moses doesn't want them doing that this time. And so Moses is teaching them and he's, he's reminding them and he's wanting them banking on and, and he's commanding them and he's pleading with them for the people to put their hope in God and trust him that he will come through for them. The God who saved them and brought them out of Egypt, the God who sustained them through the wilderness would be the God who overcomes these insurmountable obstacles so that his people can have the land that he promised to them. Even when they were fighting a nation of Herculeses. I don't know if that's really a word. I don't know what the possessive plural is of Hercules. So um, so you, you know what I mean, though. But Moses takes a second and he warns them because he doesn't want them to uh, kind of become prideful or boastful as they get into the promised land. He wants them to remember this as well. This is what it says in, in verse four. He says, do not say in your heart after the Lord your God has thrust them out before you. So once this happens, and Moses speaks as, as if it has already happened, once this happens, it is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. Whereas it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. Not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart are you going in to take possession of their land, but because of the wickedness of the nations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you and that he may confirm the word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are stubborn people. <laughs> now, what a way to end this motivational speech, right? Just remember, God is not giving you this land because you're awesome. God is giving you this land because those people are wicked and he is going to judge them. And, and so Moses is, is, is essentially telling them and reminding them. He says, do not let your heart go to the place where you think it is because of your goodness, because you are deserving, or because you are some great, amazing nation. He says, know that God is moving because of his promise to your forefathers and because of the wickedness of the nations that are living in the land now. Genesis 15, 16 even says that, that the time of their wickedness was not complete. This would have been about the time of Abraham. It says, it, it, God tells Abraham that the wickedness of the nation is not complete, but that one day God would use Abraham's descendants to judge them for their wickedness. And, 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 and here's the thing. He, he wants the, Israel, the Israelites to remember and to keep in front of him. There's no room for pride and no place for thinking that God chose you because you were awesome. Now, if, if you're an Israelite, this is the disheartening thing to hear, right? But God's point through Moses here isn't to tear them down, but that they would live so, in the sober reality that, that they had failed God, that, that they're really they're marked by their complaint and their malcontent, but because God is faithful, and this is what it's really speaking to, the character of God, because God is faithful, because God is righteous, because God is gracious and patient, because God is slow to anger 
and abounding in steadfast love because that's the type of God he is and because he promised he will come through. And now I want you to really think about this story because the Israelites were a smaller nation than these nations that they were going in to dispossess. They were not mighty warriors. They were not great champions. They were, they were tiny in comparison to who they were going to fight. And now what other story in the Old Testament rings, uh, rings true or comes to mind when you think about a small person or a small um, uh, uh, Israelite facing a giant, something that was bigger and more overwhelming? It, it should bring the bell the story of David and Goliath, right? David and Goliath is really a, a retelling of the story of the nation of Israel. It, it, it's the story that, that Israel is small. They're, they're this unfittingly band of warriors. that They're barely even a nation. And yet they go in and they face these giant champions. I, I, it, this is the story of David and Goliath, right? Israel is, it, it, and they do it based on the victory comes based on not on their strength or their might or even their deservedness, but it comes on God's faithfulness and God's ability to deliver them and see them through. And, and this really is the story of, of not just the Israelites, but it's the story of our lives too. As we face our circumstances in our lives that are overwhelming to us, as we face circumstances that are out of our control, I mean, think about the world and the state that it's in today. I mean, the world is in chaos right now. There are things out of our control. Uh, I mean, our health uh, many of us are facing health reports or, or, or facing uh, uh, terminal illnesses and we're facing things that are out of our control. Our kids' behavior, our job losses, our relationships that, that are falling apart. Like there's just all of these things that can come against us and that we have to face in our lives that, that we really have no way of fixing, no way of, of or at least it, there's no way of a, appearing that we can uh, win those battles, right? And so what are we to do in those moments? And what is this story of the nation of Israel and the story of David and Goliath, what does it teach us? That, that despite the insurmountable odds that stack against the people of God, that, that those who would put their trust in him, those who would look to him to be their salvation, those who would look to him to come through for them, God shows up. We can remember that God comes through for those who walk in relationship with him and trust him. Not because we deserve it or we are awesome, but because he is. And it's his promise to all those who look to him. Think about it this way in light of the gospel. How many of us are able to fix the sin of our lives? How many of us are able to correct the wrongs that we've done, the wrongs that, that still exist inside of us? we're powerless, right? I mean, the Bible tells us that we're powerless, that there was nothing we could do to earn that righteousness with God, that, that relationship with God. But God in his might and his power and his graciousness and his mercy sent his son to take care of it for us, to be our champion, to win the battle. And, and, and so this is the hope that we have as the people of God that God is the one who comes through. 
and that, that he will come through in our salvation, that he will come through in our daily provision, that he will come through when we face the insurmountable obstacles that, that can come up in our lives. We can put our trust in God and we can trust that he will come through. So guys, thank you for joining me today. I, I love sharing this time with you and I pray that in, it increases your faith and your love for studying the word of God. And I pray that today, as you think about these truths and, and the circumstances of your life, that you would turn to God and that you would put your trust in him and that you would walk in obedience with him and that you would see how he is your champion. Have a great day.